I want to ask to do one simple request. Over the years that I've been walking with God, seeking to understand his heart and to obey his commands, one true thing that comes repeatedly to me, it's you don't know what you don't know. I know you think you know a lot. And that's the paradox of what I'm saying to you now. When you know something about something, it's easy to assume you know a lot about it. But the real truth is you don't know what you don't know. And that's why Jesus invited us to come to him and ask him. Just ask me. Ask me for eyes to see. Mm -hmm. Ask me for ears to hear. Ask me for a heart to understand. Ask me. Then you don't have because you don't ask. And so many times when we ask, he's saying, you ask and you don't get because you ask amiss. You're asking for silly things that has no bearing on life itself, no bearing on what he wants to do with us, no bearing on where we are going. So he says, come and ask me. Ask me for something that is real. So I'm going to ask just for, for one minute. Take the time and just pretend that the Spirit of God comes and is there with you. Pretend that Jesus was serious when he says that if you obey me, I will come and I will manifest myself to you. Pretend that it's real. Pretend that he's in the room with you now. Close your eyes and see him there as the God who honors his word. And just say to him, Father, give me eyes to see what is meant to be hidden from me. Mm, yeah. Ask him as if you expect to receive something from him. Lord, open my eyes to see. And then, Father, my capacity to be able to hear you, I ask, Lord God, expand it. You, you know how I can hear now. And I'm saying, will you speak to me in a way that you know that I can understand? But by no means leave me there. Expand my capacity to understand. Hmm? Yeah, go ahead, talk to him. Amen, yeah, yes. And then that, the big one is, I want to understand. Hmm? You said two cannot work together unless they're in agreement. You said that. And if you want me to walk with you, it means I need to agree with you. And in order for me to agree with you, I need to understand with you. And God, my Father, you are the Lord of hosts, bigger than big, wider than with itself, higher than the heights above and below. You are God itself. God, how am I expected to understand you unless you reveal yourself to me? And then even as you reveal yourself, God, I need the grace. I need the anointing to be able to understand. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, give me capacity to understand. Talk to him like that. If you're serious about walking with this, God, this is going to be a daily prayer for you. God, open my capacity to understand. I want to see. I want to hear. I want to know. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, dig in there, dig in with him. Dig in, talk to him as if he's there, he's real. Mm. 
Yes, yes. Praise the name of Jesus. Let me break you here for a moment. And I want to I want to just unpack this for you very quickly. Daniel, servant of God, loved God. Heaven called Daniel greatly beloved. Daniel was a special servant before God. And Daniel was praying about the destiny of Judah. He was in Babylon serving the great Nebuchadnezzar. The end of their time had come. And Daniel went to go and pray, asking God about the redemption of his people. And God wanted to show Daniel, Daniel, I want to reveal some things to you, but right now, you do not have the capacity to understand it. Now, here's who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Daniel, the man of God, who was 10 times wiser than anybody in Nebuchadnezzar's court, 10 times wiser. He had gifting of understanding mysteries and dreams and visions. He could interpret things beyond anybody's imagination. And God was saying, Daniel, there's a level here that you do not qualify to sit on. Right now, you have no skill to sit there. So I'm going to do this for you. Hmm? God sent him an angel now to minister to Daniel to give him the skill to understand. Beloved, this is what I'm talking about. God, mm -hmm, this was always available. Why didn't Daniel ask for it? Probably didn't know he was available. He probably thought he understood the will of God, the mind of God very well. After all, he was the man of God. But then, my God, when the angel came to him now and opened his understanding, my God, he, the angel gave him the skill or the anointing or whatever it is that he gave to him. After that, Daniel could understand on another level altogether. Ask him, beloved, it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. This is what Jesus taught the disciples. You have a right to know. Everybody else, I talk to them in parables, but you, you get to know. Ask him, God, open my understanding. Mm. While we're at this point, I, I want to remind you of the disciples. Jesus had died their hopes were dashed about becoming somebody in society and they were escaping, fleeing the, the pressure of being in the city and they were on their way to a little village called Emmaus, some of the disciples. And Jesus appeared among them and they were talking along the road. The Bible said something so amazing. When they came to where they were going to go, Jesus pretended that he was going to continue walking further. And the Bible said that they restrained him they arrested him mm -hmm. they compelled him stay with us stay with us and after that the bible said that jesus did something that he did not do before he opened their understanding to the scriptures my god now these are men that were with him for three and a half years they saw the miracles they saw the power they saw the anointing of god they experienced it for themselves and yet this thing that he did now, he never did it before. And they never bothered to ask for it. I said to you, ask him for this grace. God, give me the anointing that I can understand. Unfold for me the mind of God, the wisdom of God. God, I want to walk with you. I want to know what you're doing. I want to be able to stand with you. 
open my understanding. Give me ears to hear and a heart to understand. I want eyes to see. God, when I engage in prayer, I want to be able to see what I'm praying about. I want to feel your pain for what I'm praying about. God, I want to love what I'm praying about the way you love it. And so that I would not give up until it's done. Hmm? Oh, not just pray half-heartedly for the things that are important to you. God, give me this grace to walk this out with you. I want it. God, don't deny me. I wish you'd pray like that. Contend for this position. Beloved, it will change your life. If there's one prayer that I pray on a regular basis, is this, God, give me capacity to understand. I want it. I want to encourage you, seek understanding. Pursue it with all of your heart. With the understanding, you're going to need eyes to see and you're going to need ears to hear. But the end result is understanding. God, I want to understand. He's told me this enough times. Don't assume you know. You know some scriptures, praise the Lord. Don't assume you understand. Hmm? Humble yourself. Let me teach you. Let me open your eyes. Let me unpack it for you. Humble yourself. Praise the Lord. But let's begin to unpack something. You who are here, you've been serving the Lord for a long time. People look at you and they call you the believers, the Christians, the men and women of God, the servants of the Most High God. And in order to get there, there is a requirement that you believe you are a believer. But my question to you is, what does it mean to believe? Mm, yeah, I know you know the answer. But let's, let's take it a little step further. Jesus came on the scene and he was preaching the kingdom of God. New dynamics altogether. John the Baptist laid the foundation for him. Jesus came and he was unpacking the kingdom of God. But he was not only just preaching like John the Baptist, he was bringing the manifestation of the kingdom of God within the territories that he visited. And so the miracles came. The signs and the wonders were there. In heaven, there are no sickness. And so when he came, no sickness should be there. This is the realities of the kingdom of heaven. But then, he challenged the believers, hey, believe on the son that was sent, and you will be saved. Believe. Now, what was he expecting of them? God, I believe mm -hmm, you're going to deliver me from my trouble. You're going to save me out of my headaches, and I'm going to go to heaven with you when I die. Praise the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But was that what he wanted? Was that what he expected? Let me take this one step further. What is the evidence that testifies that you believe? Is there evidence that somebody can look at your life? Having examined it, they're going to say, no, that one is a believer. If you go with me to the book of Mark chapter 16, Jesus giving the great commission after all his time with the disciples. I'm going to start reading from verse 15. 
he said to the disciples, hey, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the kicker in verse 17. And these signs shall follow those who believe. The evidence. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with a new tongue. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, I believe that you have believed these things to be real, to be available for you. And I believe some of you may be manifesting all of these things. Praise the Lord for you. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is saying, these are the evidence or the signs that you believe. These just testify that you believe. But what does it mean to believe? What was he looking for? And I'm not talking about the evidence of the things. What was he looking for? Jesus was expecting these signs that I just read about. These are supposed to be normal in the lives of his children. Jesus wasn't just a teacher. He modeled to the disciples what it meant to believe. He modeled to them. Now, let me give you an example of what I mean. The disciples were in a boat with Jesus. He was sleeping wind and the waves it got really really bad and it got so bad that the seasoned fishermen who are accustomed to being in the water they started to panic the boat was sinking and in the middle of the lake if the boat is sinking and they don't swim they're going to die i've been in really bad storms and sometimes you, you you're just fighting to just keep the boat afloat forget about making any headway just keep the boat afloat until the storm passes they cried out to Jesus. Now, after a while, it's like, you know, all hands on deck. Everybody's working. And this one is still sleeping. I mean, come on, rise up. Don't you care if we drown? Don't you care? And Jesus got up. And he, I imagine that he just steadied his bearings. And then he looked at the wind, assessed the situation, looked at the waves, assessed it, and then spoke to them and says, hey, be still. And of course, being who he is, they obeyed and stopped. Now, look at the disciples looking at him and saying, what kind of man is this? Who are you again? I, I know you're a teacher, but who, what kind of man is this? Look at them looking at Jesus. But I want to show you, Jesus is looking at them and saying, hey, where is your faith? Why did you have to wake me up to do this? Why couldn't you deal with this yourself? Don't you know that you have the authority or the power or the weary told to do this? Why did you have to wake me up? Now, there are two different extremes here. One is here and one is here. Both of them are not connecting at all. Jesus has expectations and the apostles, they were just down there looking at Jesus and they were just dumbfounded. This was not the only situation that came about like that. But this is one of them. Now, what is Jesus expecting of us as believers? What are the lives that we're supposed to live that testifies that we belong? Jesus is walking along, hungry, 
Mm -hmm. And there's a fig tree that was there advertising leaves and whatever. And Jesus came up to it, looked at the fig tree, disappointed what was there or what was not there, and then spoke to the tree. I mean, beloved, he spoke to it. The disciples heard him and probably thought nothing about it. And then shortly after that, when they came back, they looked at the fig tree, probably just passed by, and saw the fig tree dry. Now, this was in blooming season, so the tree is not supposed to die. And the tree had previously had a lot of leaves. So they looked at it and thought, what? Jesus, Jesus, did you see the tree? You spoke to it and it died. Again, they were dumbfounded at the idea that Jesus spoke to the tree and it dried up. And Jesus is looking at them saying, hey, you are impressed about that? That impresses you? I tell you, listen to me. Listen to me, hear me very well. If you have faith like a little mustard seed, you're not only able to speak to that tree and it will do what it tells you, but you will speak to a mountain and it will move if you tell it to. Again, what was Jesus expecting of the believers? What was he looking for in their lives? And then consider where are the believers? When they're looking at Jesus, they're looking at Superman. You are abnormal. The wind and the waves obey you. Even trees listen to your voice and respond. You are Superman. And Jesus is saying, hey, 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 let's get it straight. I have expectations of you. My God. What does it mean to believe? What does it mean? When you say that you are a believer, what is it that you're saying? The next time you introduce yourself that I'm a believer, I go to such and such and such church, or I am a part of such and such and such ministry. What exactly are you saying? The other people may be impressed, but is the father who is looking at you, is he impressed? Or are you meeting his expectation of a believer? What does it mean? I say to you that Jesus was operating in a reality that was very different from the disciples. Very, very different. The disciples, they were eventually going to get there and we're going to come back to that. But I want to show you that for the second part of his ministry, in the years when he was just building and building, he was grooming them, modeling to them, teaching them, being patient with them, calling them out, come on, rise up, build. You have power, you have anointing, you can do these things. You see the works that I'm doing? Beloved, you're gonna be able to do greater than these. These things are nothing. What does it mean to believe? I want to switch gear for a moment and I want to go to a different vantage point. In John chapter 15, we are presented with the, a picture of the Father. Jesus is showing us the Father owns the vineyard. He is the big boss. He owns everything. And Jesus has a role within the Father's big work. Jesus is planted as a vine, connected to the ground, and he gets all of the sustenance, etc., etc. He's connected to the Father, and you are the branches. You're connected to the vine and you are to be a fruit. The Father is at work. Hmm? 
Jesus said in John chapter 5, I believe verse 19, 20, the father loves the son and shows him all that he's doing. Hmm? He said, I don't do anything unless I see my father doing it, or I don't say anything unless I hear my father saying it. Jesus was serving the, the wishes or the desires or the commands of his father. Jesus was not in charge. His father was. I know that may sound sacrilegious to some of you. Jesus was given commands and Jesus obeyed the commands of the father. So Jesus was pushing, I want you to believe. But Jesus was sent. And so consider the sender. What did the sender want? What did the father want when he sent Jesus? What is the father's definition of belief? Go and get them. I can imagine way back in the Garden of Eden, when men gave dominion over to the kingdom of darkness, the father decided, I'm going to get them back. I'm going to win them back. I am going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to bring humanity back to me. I'm going to rescue them from the grip of darkness and they're going to escape. They're going to come back to me and they're going to bow. They're going to engage with me. The father set out a plan and he worked with Israel all throughout those years and Israel failed miserably to do the work, uh, to stand up as a kingdom of priests, as a holy nation. Israel failed miserably at that. And so God came and he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus came now as an unfolding, as the plan of God, the big plan of God. Go and get to them. Show them the kingdom. Show them the benefits of the kingdom. Show them the life of the kingdom. Show them the contrast between life and death. And if they choose you, if they choose to come with you, I will give them life. They will become part of my kingdom. They will be able to stand with me forever and ever. As my ears and your joint ears, they will be able to come with us. Jesus, go get them for me. Did Jesus succeed? Did he do his work well? And if you consider in the book of Revelation chapter 5, Hmm? Jesus was the only one in heaven and in the earth and underneath the earth. The only one that was found worthy to be able to go and approach him and to take the scroll out of his hand, or to even look on it. Hmm? Jesus was the only one found worthy. And there was an amazing verse there that says he was found worthy because, or for he has redeemed out of every kindred and nation and tribe and tongue. He has redeemed for his father priests and kings he got the father what he wanted and for that he was given a name above every other name that at the name of jesus every knee shall bow the father was at work he wanted something and then the son was at work engaging with the father to do something the son was doing his work believe on me rise up and believe i remember jesus was speaking with some some of the people that believed and he said to them, hey, if you believe, abide in my word and you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Which means that when they believed on the word, believed in Jesus, they were still in bondage. They were still trapped in their habits, in their desires, in their way of thinking, in their wickedness, etc., etc. And Jesus is saying, hey, the way to freedom is abide in my word and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that was an offense to them. They thought, ah, oh, 
Mm-mm. We have never been slaves to anybody. How can you say you will set us free? No, we're not, we're not in bondage. No. Did they believe? The Bible said that they believed. They went a step further and they were saying, oh, we are Abraham's children. We're not illegitimate. Mm -hmm. And then when Abraham's standard didn't work, they said, we are God's children. And Jesus looked at them and said, hey, you are children of your father, the devil. Now, what is going on here? At first, they believed. And now you're saying that they're children of the devil. What is going on? What is his expectation of the believers? What is he expecting of you? This is what Jesus said to, to us. You are the light of the world. Hmm? I didn't just save you so that you can come and enjoy a good life now and then go to heaven when you die. He said, I, you see, all of humanity, all of it, I want it. I want none should perish, but all should come to repentance. I want them to see the life that I offer. I want them to see the contrast between me and darkness. I want them, but I cannot go and pull them out of darkness. They have to choose. And I can only show them myself. I can really reveal to them the goodness of the contrast. Mm -hmm. But they're going to have to make a choice. Mm -hmm. And they're going to see the contrast through you. I want you to go and model the kingdom. I want you to go model life. On, on the background of this, Jesus said, hey, you are the light of the world. My God, you are the salt of the earth. When you step into the situation, the situation knows that you are there. It experiences a dramatic transformation because you are there. And so he warned them, hey, you don't take light and put it on a bushel. It's good for nothing. Hmm? If you're salt, you're the salt of the earth. If you lose your flavor, if you lose your saltiness, he says you're good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the feet of men. Today, we sing and we dance about being the salt of the earth or being the light of the world. But is the world impressed with us? They coming and saying, show me your God. Mm. In Malachi chapter one, in the last verse of Malachi, there is a verse there that says this. The Lord says that he is a great king. Mm -hmm. God is talking. And all the nations of the world, all the nations of the world will fear him. He says, I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. I read that and I am asking God, how is this supposed to be? The nations, some of them renounce your name, lock down, arrest anybody that calls upon your name. And you said, all the nations, you desire that all the nations will fear your name. How is that going to be? The believers, we the people. Let's take it a step further. I want to take it a step further. Jesus, yeah, he came down from heaven. Yeah, came from a different reality, different world altogether. There he came from power. He came in majesty and all of that wonderful stuff. And he came as man. And so you can say to me, Pastor Shane, Jesus had cheat codes. He could see things differently. He knew his father personally. 
And so prayer for him was very different. He was talking to somebody that he has spent his eternity with. Yeah, I, I hear you. And that's why it would appear that he had a different reality. That's why he would appear that he's not alarmed about the wind and the waves. He talks to them. He's not impressed by the ability to speak to a mountain and the mountain run away. Eh? When the demons, the 72 disciples were sent out and they came back, they were so excited, so excited. And Jesus is saying, hey, hey, you see those things? You see those things? Don't rejoice about them. They are simple things. But rather, rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Your name is written in heaven. That is a big, 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 big deal. Jesus came from that world. He understand the values. But then, look at the work of the Father. He gathered a few normal people. Yeah, stubborn people. Yeah, rebellious people. If you look at the mix of the disciples he had, my God, he had the most unfit bunch of guys working together. Ideologically, they were different. Mm -hmm. socioeconomic status they were different mm -hmm. they, they, I think the only thing that they had in unison together was that they were Jewish mm, they were from different sects of society and yet Jesus pulled them all together I'm going to make you fishers of men they struggled you saw it, you've read it they struggled, they made me feel good about myself I watched them bundling the mission again and again and again. I watched Peter seeking to correct Jesus. I watched the men sitting there and talking about greatness. Who has the most anointed? Who is the more powerful? I see them and I feel good about them. And yet Jesus is challenging them. Rebuking them sometimes. Mm -hmm. Saying, rise up. Come on, guys. Come on. We don't have much time here. Rise up. Let us engage here. The disciples, beloved, they were not always going to be like that. They were not always going to be like you and I operating today. They were going to become supermen, normal men. Do you realize the Bible says this thing about Elijah? I don't like this verse at all, but I'm quoting it. I don't like it. Elijah was a man just like us. Or... Elijah was a man with like passions, same weaknesses, same challenges. Elijah was a man just like us. And yet, Elijah went and engaged with God. Hmm? One man single-handedly went and engaged with God, and then God gave him authority over the heavens to shut it up. God said to Elijah, huh? The heavens will not open until you say so. No rain will come upon the land unless you say so. Elijah, as much as I would want to, I will not override you. You're going to have to say rain for rain to come. Elijah was a man just like me. A nation that was completely given over to darkness, completely shut down by the kingdom of darkness. One man went to go and pray. Mm -hmm. He believed God, engaged with God. And God says, okay, let's go. Me and you, we're going to walk this journey out. My God, one man. 
was able to stand there and engage with God and brought the nation of Israel down to its knees where the king is looking at every nation where is Elijah where is he where is that man and if the nation said that he was not there they had to sign a letter they had to sign some sort of a document get it notarized that says hey he's not in my territory hmm? my god I want you to see he was one man turned the nation on its end one man how big are the witches how many witches did Jezebel have how many priests did she have mm. irrelevant one man and then the bible has the audacity to say stuff like he was a man just like me I don't like that verse because I want to have a good excuse I want to have a good reason not to engage or not to expect too much from God. I want to have a reason to fail and it's okay. After all, I'm only human. But then God saw fit to put that there. Elijah was just like me. My God, the disciples. Maybe Elijah doesn't float your boat, but the disciples, you've seen them. They were just like me. And my God, they turned from normal men and they became supermen. And I know you're going to tell me, Pastor Shane, it's because the anointing came upon them at Pentecost. I know you're going to tell me that. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Was that the first time the anointing came upon them? No. Jesus, he anointed them and sent them out to do miracles. Do you remember? And they became miracle workers. They rejoiced about their newfound power and anointing. And then, before he left, Jesus breathed upon them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So now, that same Holy Spirit that was upon Jesus, uh -huh, he breathed upon them and says, receive it. Mm -hmm. my God so now he told him hey go and stay in Jerusalem now and you're going to wait for this gift from my father I want to say in Jerusalem they experienced corporate anointing unlike they've ever experienced it before it was the first time the disciples were in one accord it was the first time they're acting like believers it's the first time they're giving themselves to what Jesus has asked of them do you realize that they were there for 10 days Bible scholar says that I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what we are taught. They were there for a certain amount of time. And they're there, what are they doing there? They're engaging. Mm -hmm. They're looking at the issues. This is what Jesus expected of us. He's telling us he wants all of the nations, all of the nations. How are we going to do that? Mm -hmm. But he's entrusted the word to us. What are we going to do about this? Go and make disciples of every nation baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. How ridiculous is that job assignment? I don't know how to do this, but okay, you told us to do this and we're going to go and do that. One step of obedience. But while they're there, beloved, they're dealing with the issues. They're dealing with the challenges. They're dealing with their selfishness. They're dealing with their carnal nature. They're preparing a vessel for the Spirit of God to come among them. Not just in one person. My God, I have been at our boot camps here in Staten Island. I can tell you this. When God wants to come down corporately, he needs the people to be in one accord. 
And I can tell you, there have been times when two people within our midst are fighting each other. Two people. And no matter how much we plead and court, he would not come. Hmm? When they settle their nonsense, when these two people rise up and address their issues, immediately right after that, they repented to each other and wow, the presence of God came into the room and we are thinking, wow, God, you are awesome. They had to deal with their issues. God, when it was settled, the Bible said that they were on one accord, one purpose, one goal. I don't know how we're going to do this, but this is what the master expects of us. We are going to walk it out. We are going to fulfill his heart's desire. After all, he left us the destiny of the nations. Bring them to my father. And God came to give them anointing. He gave them power. And they went out. But they didn't always go out in a group. Those men changed. Something changed them dramatically. Something changed them. And beloved, look at this. Look at this. You remember before, Jesus said to them, Hey, you're going to betray me. No, 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 not me. Never, 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 never. Hmm? You're going to abandon me. Never. I will go to the, my death for you. Never. Satan said to Job, skin for skin, a man will do anything to save his own life. You think they love you? <laughs> Threaten their lives and you'll see what they do. Hmm? They happened in the garden. Their lives were threatened and all of them scattered. All of them. And you saw Peter. Peter was calling down curses on himself. Mm -mm, I don't know him. I don't know him. But what happened to them afterwards? I saw those same governing body that arrested Jesus and had him executed, the same governing body came to the apostles and said, hey, hey, you know we have power. You know we can deal with you. If you don't stop this stuff, we are going to deal with you. And these apostles looked at those men and said, hey, hey, you tell us who we should obey, you or God. But as for us, we are going to do what we have been commanded to do. <laughs> do what you can do. I mean, they were not normal men anymore. Hmm? But yet, men like us. I saw them walk in. They're going to uh, going to the synagogue or temple or whatever. And this man was standing outside the gate. And the Bible said that they looked at him. Mm -hmm. They looked at this man. They were not going to pray and lay hands and pour oil and all of that stuff. They looked at him and saw that he had faith to be, be healed. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he knew them. I don't know that man how he looked at them. I don't understand it. But they reached out to him mm -hmm, and said to him, In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And they picked him up. Uh -huh, and immediately that man's ankle, his feet received strength. And then that man was crippled from birth. All of the people in the temple grounds are looking at that man and looking at these apostles and thinking, what manner of men are these? What kind of people are these? I saw Peter passing by this funeral. And Peter says, hey, no, no funeral today. He goes and he looks at the situation uh -huh, and he deals with it. And this woman, Doka, she's back alive again. And the people are looking at them saying, hey, what manner of men are these? These are the believers. 
and it goes on and on and on and on and on. These are what God was expecting of the apostles. I showed you they were no special men. There were people like you and I. What does it mean to believe? And beloved, I want to ask you, what is the evidence that you have that testifies that you believe? I, I grew up in church and what I've been taught as deliver good life is you don't wear short skirts, you don't wear makeup, you fix your hair a certain way, you don't wear jewelry, a list of do's and don'ts. And that testifies that I'm a believer. Hmm? What is your evidence? How does your life testify that you belong to him, that you're a believer? Oh my God. Now, I want to just take one step further. The book of John, chapter 14. Trying to pull this all together. The book of John, chapter 14, says this. I'm going to read from verse 16. If you love me, keep my commands. And he's talking to his disciples. He's about to go away. He's wrapping up his ministry, what we call phase two of his ministry. He's wrapping it up consolidating if you love me guys do what I tell you to do keep my commands if you keep my commands I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and will be with you forever the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you hmm? I will not treat you as orphans I will come to you Mm -hmm. Here Jesus is saying, hey guys, I know I'm leaving you and things are going to be different. But if you are faithful to do what I've asked you to do, the standards that we have discussed, if you're faithful to honor them, if you're faithful to diligently work them out, you're going to have help. Mm -hmm. My father is going to send you this gift. He's going to carry you. The world cannot receive him. It's only for the believers. Only for you people. But then, if you go down just a little bit further, he says this, verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. If you have my commands, you know what God is expecting of you and you honor them. It is a sign or it's a testimony to God that you love him. Notice, me saying to God, God, I love you. Singing, I love you, Lord. But I have no intentions of doing what he's asking me to do. I may think that I love God, but God interprets that as rebellion. Says that you don't love me. He interprets love as obey my commands. If you obey my commands, it means you love me. And then, this is the evidence that you're doing it. I love God. I love the simplicity of how he does his things. Jesus said, mm -hmm, this is the evidence. If you do this, mm -hmm, I will come to you. This is above and beyond the gift of the Father, the Holy Spirit coming to you. I will come to you and I will manifest myself or reveal myself. You will be able to see me. You will be able to interact with me, the Son of God. Now, 
who is promising these kind of things? This is the sovereign. He who sits on his father's throne. He who cannot lie. He whose words will forever be yea and amen. He's saying, hey, mm -hmm, if you do this, if you're able to meet that standard, hey, you and I, we're going to walk this thing together. I am going to come to you. My God. Now, do you see the disciples living like that? Where Jesus would come to them and he would manifest himself to them. Mm -hmm. They knew him as he walked with them for, for a few years. Uh -huh. And he left and they continued to walk with him with this promise, I will come to you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will be there. Uh-huh. Why do you think they prayed the way they did? Prayed with faith to believe because he fulfilled his promises. Mm -hmm. I will never leave you. I will be there with you. But my God, beloved, Jesus went on to further to say, this blows my mind all the time. Difficult again. Anyone, in verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Mm -hmm. And my father will love them. And we, which means me and my father, will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words that you hear are not my words. They belong to the Father who sent me. What is Jesus promising here? Jesus is saying, hey, this is what my Father told me to tell you. My Father told me to tell you this. Anybody, anybody, the entire nations of nations, those who are stuck in darkness, etc., etc. I want them all. I want them all to come to me. I want them to honor me like that. Honor what I've asked you to do. And if you do that, my father will love you. Mm -hmm. And my father is going to come. But Jesus is saying, me, I'm not going to be left out. Mm -hmm. I'm not left leaving out. Mm -hmm. Remember previously, he's saying, I'm going to manifest myself. He said, no, 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 we will come, me and my father, we will come there to you and we will set up our home with you or in you. Do you realize that the Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? He made you his home, a place for him to come and to dwell. Here, we're talking about the abiding presence of God, the Father, the abiding presence of Jesus, the Son, and the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit there together with you. What does it mean to believe? Jesus walked like this. Let me show you now. Notice the Father was always watching him. The Father was always there with him. My son, I will never leave you. When Jesus walked, it says that when he came, a great light had come into the region. Mm -hmm. Darkness could not stand it. They could not contend against that light. The disciples finally caught the wind of it. They understood it. And when they began to walk according to what God was requiring of them, my God, they became the source of light in their generation. When they walked, the nation responded to them. Mm -hmm. My God, when they came into a territory, the people started complaining. The demons are crying, hey, get rid of these people. Get rid of them. Don't allow them to come. Those people, they are trouble. Get rid of them. 
Hmm. What does it mean to be a believer? What is the Lord expecting of you? He said, if you would just anybody, anybody, not apostle, not bishop, not prophetess, and all, and all of that stuff, take that and throw it away. Mm -hmm. He said, hey, 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 if you be, obey me, just do what I tell you to do. Me and my father and the Holy Spirit, all of us are going to come and we're going to live with you. Wherever you go, we go. Wherever you stand, we stand. And then the evidence of us being there will be apparent. Your light will shine. You will be salt. You will make an impact wherever you go. People will see you and they will say, wow, look at God. Man, Tabaka. Do you realize that Jesus said this now? Back in the book of John chapter 15, he says, if you are the branch and you stay connected to me, if you stay there, you will be a fruit. And the Father will come and he will prune you so that you bear more fruit. He said, when you are that branch that has been pruned and you're bearing your maximum yield, mm -hmm, the Father is glorified. The Father is looking at you and he's, ah, that belongs to me. See that branch there? That is mine. <laughs> I am well pleased with that one. Yeah, yeah, that one excites me. It gives me what I want. What does it mean to be a believer? I want to say to you that we can settle with our list of do's and don'ts. We can settle for what we have known for so long. I mean, are you impressed with what you have? Do you think that is all Jesus came to give you? Are you happy with it? If you are, then this kind of message is not for you. Mm -mm. I praise the Lord for you. I, I praise the Lord for you. Uh, mm, mm -mm. I've been around long enough. I've been frustrated. I've been disappointed. I've looked for life in what I understand to be the church. I've looked for life in what I understand to be the big, the big hoopla, the, the concerts, the goose. I've looked for life there. And I walked away disappointed again and again and again. And then when I would go to him, he said, come to me. I have life. Let me pour for you. My cup does not run out. Let me pour for you. Come. Mm, what does it mean to believe? I say this. My father has expectations of me. Oftentimes, my definition is different from his. Mm? My definition is different from yours. My definition is different from my pastors and my bishops and those role models in my life. But at the end of the day, whose definition will count? The reason why we started off with God, I need understanding. This is where I am going to challenge you. You're not going to rise up to make a vow to say, me, I'm going to do this. Me, I'm going to rise up. Me, I'm going to. The reason why we are the way we are is because of bondage. Things that are binding us. We want God. And things are holding us back. We don't even know what they are. Mm. You're going to, God, give me eyes to see. Mm. 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 I believe, not because Pastor Shane said this and this and this. Mm -mm. Because I've seen it in your word. I have seen what the normal men 
and women. I've seen what the normal people rise up to be able to do, engaging with you. And I saw that they were not learned or educated. They had no theology degree. They had no Bible school experience. They were normal fishermen and tax collectors and rebels. They were normal people who you took and carried them, stripped them of their distractions and gave them purpose. They agreed to walk it out with you. Now, I'd be lying to you if I said this life was going to be easy. If you're looking for a believer's lifestyle with the blessings overtaking you and the goodness of God shadowing you and that's all you want to see, I tell you that this life is going to disappoint you. Is God going to bless you? He's faithful and just to take care of you as a good servant. But his definition of taking care of you may be very different from what you understand or what you expect. When the apostles were in prison, he was taking care of them. When Paul was being beaten, he was taking care of him. He was loving him, saying, Paul, I'm with you. Hmm? If Jesus said, then the same way, you, you want to come after me? You want to live my life? The same way they persecuted me, they're going to treat you the same. He told me stuff like this. Don't expect to be appreciated. Mm -mm. Don't expect to be welcomed. Mm -mm. Don't expect men to applaud you. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. My God. Mm the things that we live for you know I'm the man of God I'm coming to bring the word of the Lord and everybody's going to rise up and say amen mm -hmm. I see the men of God they walked into the cities and the city says no we don't want if you're going to live this life prepare to be rejected prepare to be taken advantage of prepare for men to say all manner of evil against you Jesus said, that is how they treated the prophets. And he said, when that happens to you, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. My God. And so, hey, hey, what is the reason for you to be exceedingly glad? The good job, the blessing, my God, the promotion at work. Hey, hey. Throw a party when they're saying all manner of evil against you for my name's sake. Beloved, this is the same Jesus I'm talking about. If you're going to come after him for this kind of lifestyle, I want to say to you this. One, don't expect somebody to come and lay hands on you and it's going to happen. Mm -mm. There are no shortcuts to it. There are no silver bullets to it. There's no, uh, I had a dream and the Lord came and mm -mm. the disciples had to walk it out. Elijah, we don't know how long he stood there and engaged with God for. He had to walk it out. You are going to have to walk it out. But the good shepherd is engaged with you to carry you through step by step by step. Don't expect a quick fix or a silver bullet. Jesus said this. One of those things, again, verses that I... Yeah, I don't appreciate so much. But he said this, if anybody wants to come after me, the believers, if anybody wants to come after me, you want that life? 
let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. The ultimate price is to die to yourself. And he gives you a cross. Slow, public, painful, humiliating death. Again, the cross represents a slow, public, painful, humiliating death. And Jesus said, in order to serve me, you need one of those. And then you're going to have to carry it daily. Walk with this. Mm -hmm. Come with me. When I look at you, I need to see your cross. Where's your cross? You don't have it? And I'm, I'm not talking about that thing you wear around your neck. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I expect you to carry it. Mm -hmm. My God. The cross is going to be painful. It is going to be difficult. And that is part of the journey. If you're going to come after this life, you want to live the overcomer's life. I want to show you one. Don't expect a quick fix. Don't expect the luxuries that we have, we've long chased after in Christianity. Hmm? Now, I can say this as a testimony to you. I have sought with my heart to serve God. I have sought with my heart to pursue Him. And when I stop looking for things, the things come. When I take my eyes away from the from the things that I would, mm, they come. I don't have to look for them. And when they come, they're not that important. They're not idols anymore. So I'm saying to you, beloved, mm, you're going to sit and say to him, you've tried everything that you've known so far and you've sought to achieve that kind of results and it has failed. Why? Hmm? You don't know what you don't know. I said to you, be willing to come to him. Humble yourself. God, I need understanding. I don't know where to begin. I don't even know how to start this. I, God, I need understanding. All I know now, all I know is that you are my God. And I am your child. I belong to you. You are my God. That's all I know. You want me to go with you. Mm hmm I know that. And I, God, I, me, who have the authority or the power to choose, I am choosing to go with you. That's all I got. Hmm? You, the shepherd, the Bible says that you are a good shepherd. I need you to carry me. I need you to take me there. Hmm? I need you to be patient with me when I get weary and when I get frustrated and when I get overwhelmed, mm -hmm, when I'm so sick of, of this dying to self and I want my carnal nature to, to, to just satisfy. God, I, I, I need you to just stand with me. Help me. Mm? You're going to plead with him. You're going to cry a lot. A lot of people that you, loves you and celebrate you now will leave you. I promise you. Mm -hmm. But you will find life. You will find sustenance. You will know joy beyond imagination. And then the peace of God that passes all understanding. We quoted these kind of things, but until you get into that place, you begin to touch it. 
I tell you, in closing this, I said to you, that thing that I'm telling you about, I know that place. I can sit here for the next hour and tell you about the times when Jesus came and revealed himself to me. Mm, my God. Yeah, I, I, we, we can unpack that for, for a while. But then, that place when he says, I will come and make my abode. Beloved, there are times in my life where I have laid it down and pursued that. And I tell you, the power was there. The presence was so tangible, so rich. You just close your eyes and begin to engage with him and wow, the presence is there. There are times I'm driving my car and I'm minding my own business, you know, just thinking about something. And it's like, Shane, I'm, I'm you know, I, I, I can't wait any longer. Wow, it comes down in the car like that. And my God, I'm struggling to drive. Tears are running down my face. My body is shaking like this. And I'm driving the car, please, Lord, please. I know you don't want to be the crash, Lord, please. Hmm? If I'm driving with my wife like that, I pull over and say, Wendy, please drive. I, I, I can't. And I would just go in the, the other seat and just engage. I've known that place. And then, for whatever reason, mm -hmm, my God, the little rebellion comes back in the corner. I, I don't know. I don't give excuses to these things. But I find myself being swayed back to that place again, going back to re-empowering my self-life, putting down the cross and saying, mm -hmm, I've carried this long enough. Me, I need to enjoy some now. And then I realize that that abiding presence become less and less and less. The reason why the father told Jesus to tell you this is that he wants to dwell with you. He wants to dwell with you. He made you his house so that he can come there and live in it. He did that. And so beloved, you're going to choose whether you're going to host him or you're going to deny him. You get to choose. Praise the Lord. Bring yourself before him. I would say to you, do not let this be an emotional thing. Take a day or two, ponder this, counter cost, and then come back to him with a meaningful conversation. Say, God, I've heard what that man has said. And I've decided, you may say, this is not for me. I'm quite happy where I am. That's not for me. Mm -hmm. And he will say, fine. I know. Because I told him something like that one time and he said, okay. But if you say, God, me, I want to go with you. Mm -hmm. He will say, fine, let's go. I'm ready. In fact, he may tell you, I've been waiting for a long time. Praise the Lord.